Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm Lane Nordland and as we continue to have our conversations with cattlemen and women out in the countryside, I'm excited about today's chat that we're going to have because a lot of the time we talk with producers that are maybe multi-generational or their families have been in the business for quite some time, but we're actually going to be talking with a, a, a young man that has got his start in the business, first generation, and from the state of West Virginia. Joining us, our guest today is Mr. Jonathan Black calling in. He's actually standing by to help with the local livestock judging team there at his local school. But uh, Jonathan, how are things going uh, before you uh, ter- put your coaching hat on here this afternoon? Uh, it's go- going well. We have uh, fantastic weather out here in West Virginia right now. I can't complain. A little bit wet, but we'll take that over a dry spell any day. So uh can't complain too much well that's good to hear uh where i'm broadcasting from here today in north central montana it was 50 degrees until about one o'clock today now it's warmed up to about 70 degrees but we've been running about 100 degrees since the start of july wildfires just taking over idaho montana so this cooler weather with moisture hopefully on the way will bring a reprieve to producers up in my neck of the woods so i'm glad to hear that the conditions are are good in west virginia what what part of the state uh, do you call home there jonathan yeah so i'm from milton west virginia it's actually in the southwestern part of the state uh we're you know just a couple minutes from kentucky just a couple minutes from ohio so uh, we're in what we call the tri-state area of West Virginia. Now, obviously, when, when folks think of West Virginia, they, they think of coal mining. They, they think of uh, the rich history that the state has in our nation's history. But especially for guys out here in the West, when we think of, of, of ranches and farms, we're thinking several thousand acres to, to run cattle. What is it like in your neck of the woods when it comes to being involved in production agriculture and raising cattle there in West Virginia? Yeah, so uh, we're definitely not raising cattle on thousands of acres around here. Uh, the average farm size in West Virginia is 100 acres, and really that is pushing it. Um, that is a huge operation where I'm from. Uh, you know, if we're rolling into farms, it's 100, 150 acres. Our eyes are, you know, sprung wide open and we're just in awe of what's going on. Uh, the biggest challenge that we're having in West Virginia is terrain. Uh, you know, we are the mountain state. and We have that name for a reason. Uh, we don't have mountains like you guys do out west, but uh, we certainly do have larger rolling hills and, and what we consider mountains. And that makes it tough for us. So. Well, and just the vegetation on top of that uh, in, in your climate zone there, um, it does make it difficult. And and again, I that's what I always say is I am so jealous that when people can just run cattle on, on a few hundred acres, uh, it'd make our day riding a lot easier for the cowboys out, out our way. But again, we, we, we know just, uh, what, what the landscapes, uh, what it takes to run cattle. But, uh, I guess in your neck of the woods, that, that is a good question. How many, what, what are your animal units out there? How many, uh, cattle can you run per acre th- over a year? Ideally, we like to try um, to run, you know, one cow or one cow-calf pair per acre. Um, Around here, we don't get that. Um, You know, people are pushing as much as they can, um, as much as four to five cows or cow-calf pairs per acre. Um, Because with the terrain and the vegetation that we do uh, have to face, we're feeding hay a long time anyway. Um, So producers and farmers around here, as long as they have 
the resources to feed those cows through the late fall and all through the winter and the early spring, they're going to pack them in there. Now, obviously, as I mentioned in our intro to today's conversation, you are a first-generation uh, producer. And I should ask, because uh, I know in some regions, uh, some people are ranchers, some people are cattle farmers. Uh, how, how do you identify yourself in the ag community? Yeah, so in West Virginia, we like to consider ourselves uh, farmers. Uh, when we think about ranchers, we're thinking about the guys and girls out west that's, that's on those you know, uh, several thousand acre uh, ranches and things like that. So around here, we, we just call each other farmers. That's that's what we like. That's what we refer to. So it's kind of what we stick with. Well, I'll stick with farmer there. I don't want to offend you, Jonathan, here on our podcast today. But uh, let's just talk about your role in agriculture. Uh, have, you, have you always had a background in agriculture? What, what led up to you uh, 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 seeking out being a, a first-generation farmer dealing with cattle there in West Virginia? Yeah, so... Uh, born and raised onto a family farm. And this is where it kind of gets a little bit confusing when, uh, you know, I come on as a first generation, uh, family farmer, uh, which I consider myself to be first generation because what I've done, I was, I was born and raised into a multi-generational farm, uh, small, very small operation, less than 10 acres big. Um, as I've gotten older, I've decided that I wanted to break away from what my, what my grandpa started, what my mom and dad do currently. And I wanted to expand. I, w- I wanted to, you know, move into what I consider to be large scale farming in West Virginia. Um, so I broke uh, this this past spring. I broke completely away from uh, Black Gold Farm, which is what uh, my parents' place is called. Um, I told them, I said, I don't want any ties to this anymore. Um, you know, I, I'll wing calves here or something like that if I need to. But I'm going to move. I'm going to move everything I have. We're going to a different location. I started Twisted J Cattle Company, and uh, we've been rolling solo ever since. Uh, I mean, I you know I do have support and things like that from my parents. Still, they didn't kick me to the curb or anything like that. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm moving on. Uh, you know, is what I consider first generation by myself. And I think that is a fair uh, categorization when you're going out, doing things differently. Can I ask, what what type of uh, agriculture were your folks and grandpa involved in mainly there uh, where you grew up? Yeah, so when my uh, grandpa started Black Gold Farm, it was primarily uh, cow-calf operation and tobacco farming. Um, so the tobacco was the, was the big thing back then when he started, uh, and the cattle was more of a hobby. Um, after my grandpa passed away, the tobacco went away with it. Um, my parents, uh, dabbled in, um, a few cows here and there, uh, and, you know, with life comes obstacles. So the cows ended up fading away a little bit. Uh, we got into goats, we got into chickens, we got into sheep a little bit. We've done a little bit of everything. Um, so, but we always seem to find our way back to the cattle business. So. Well, uh, I mean, that's one thing. Once once cattle get into your blood, it's hard to hard to let them go. And sometimes when we're losing money, we don't want to let go of them either. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just think it's admirable to, to be able to go out on your own. What, what was it like, though? What was that decision-making process like for yourself in deciding, you know what, I have a vision in what I want to do in agriculture, and I believe this is how it's going to help make me successful. What, what were those, what was that decision-making process like going out on your own it was probably the hardest thing i've ever done in my life uh because i was uh leaving what was comfortable i was leaving what was established even though it was small we did have resources there that i could use um 
but I knew that I would never be able to grow my operation into what I want it to be in the future if I stayed at home. Um, so, you know, they always say scared money doesn't make you any money. Um, so I just, I, I just went out and did it. Um, I knew if I was going to be something and, and, uh, represent West Virginia on a national level, which is what I want to do. I want West Virginia to be heard in the beef industry. Um, I had to get out. I had, I had to make a move. When we look at making those moves and stepping up into leadership, were you involved in, in 4-H or FFA uh, th- throughout growing up? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I started 4-H when I was nine years old. Uh, I do have a sibling. She's two years older than I am. So I always consider myself lucky. I got an extra two years of engagement, whether I wanted it or not. Uh, so uh, when I got to high school, I moved into FFA, um, eat, sleep, and breathe that stuff. Um I was president of my chapter two years in a row uh, at my local high school, which is where I'm at now, uh, judging the uh, livestock judging contest for them and um, was a state FFA officer for West Virginia. Um, you know, got to travel to all kinds of uh, national events with them as well. Uh, and then when I moved into college, uh, went to WVU uh, to study animal science um, I was on the academic quadrathlon team with them, spent a lot of time out West. Um, you know, at places like Express Ranches and things like that. Made a lot of good contacts, made a lot of good friends uh, through all those journeys from the start of 4-H to the end of my college career. And uh, your time being a state FFA officer, I I had that opportunity as well uh, when when I was a freshman in college. I guess what is the most eye-opening experience you got to see, maybe traveling West Virginia, but uh, and then also outside of West Virginia in that role, just seeing how important agriculture education is, but just the impact that FFA has in advancing the future of agriculture? Yeah, so the most eye-opening thing I think that I experienced was when we actually went to our uh, National uh, Leadership Conference for State Officers, which I'm sure you all probably did that out there as well. Uh, We actually went to Dover, Delaware for ours. And, uh, you know, Delaware is not a huge ag-based place. It's not a big place to start with. Um, You know, we got out there and we were talking about our operations and and the things that we did and and are wanting to do, and those people were just in awe, kind of like how we are when we're talking to people from out west. Um, so it was kind of neat uh, and eye-opening to see that, you know, us little folks in West Virginia were considered big-time people to some other people around the country. So uh, that was kind of eye-opening for me. But it was important to remember that uh, we are small operations, and, and so are, so were some of those other people. Uh, but we can't do it without each other. So that was that was one of the biggest things that I learned uh, as a state officer. Now, coming back to today, what does your cattle operation look like? I, I, I guess, are you mainly cow-calf? Do you have some seed stock? Or are you finishing cattle out there? I, I guess, paint a picture for us on 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 the operation that, uh, and I know there's probably a lot of lot of talk and changes as, as it evolves uh, being out on your own, but what is the basis looking like right now? Yeah, so right now we're currently um, just a cow-calf operation, just basic cow-calf. We're running... Um, Around 20 cows uh, with calves on them. That's about the max that I can handle right now with the uh, with the the pasture situation that I that I have currently. Um, looking into the future, um, I'm wanting to kind of go into finishing cattle out a little bit. Um, I've been talking with some local resources. I have uh, joining into uh, some local uh, organizations that we have in West Virginia to try to market beef, market finished beef. 
uh, I'd like to get into that a little bit more. Cow calf's hard around here. Um, if you're not running a hundred cows, at least it's, it's hard to make it. Um, but I'm not going to get rid of my cows. So I want to figure out something that I can supplement a little additional income to kind of help sustain the whole farm. And speaking about just uh, uh, having that that opportunity to to have land, uh, going out on your own, were you able to to purchase a parcel of land, run your cattle on, uh, or, or are you leasing? Uh, how is that all working? So I kind of uh, i I work for a guy uh, seasonal that that runs an agritourism business. He has a corn maze local to our area here in Milton. Um, he has a significant parcel of land, and he said. You're more than welcome to use it if you clean it up and you put fence around it. So I said, okay, that sounds good to me. We'll work that farm. We'll get those cows in there and we'll get moving. Um, I consider myself blessed with what happened next. Um, some some family friends that we knew, um, one of the gentlemen got sick, unfortunately passed away. Uh, shortly after that, his family approached me and they said, hey, we have this farm, uh, brand new fence around it. It's got all these hay fields with it. We want you to run it if you want it, no cost to you. Just pay the water bill. And I said, okay, I'll take it. So um, I kind of lucked into that. Uh, I don't own it. I have the option to purchase it later on if I want to. Um, But right now, um, in exchange for, you know, rent or things like that, they're like, just clean it up a little bit, Um, you know, that kind of thing. So I kind of lucked into that. Uh, very blessed, very thankful for that. They ended up giving me um, a second farm that they had um, for hay production. So I kind of just rolled into that as well. You know, it's just so interesting, as you mentioned, uh, so many of the operations in your neck of the woods, uh, they're, you know, 50 acres, 25 acres, maybe 100 acres. What would the landscape of your community be if all of these little operations went away, would there be rural communities in West Virginia if if all this land got sold off and developed? Are you seeing too much develop in your in your area? It's just I, I I just take my hat off to this family for looking to a young producer and saying, "Hey, we want to keep this in agriculture." Is that occurring all over West Virginia, or or is that something that scares you as a young producer seeing land being taken out of agriculture? It definitely scares me, um, especially around West Virginia now. Uh, farming is losing its track in West Virginia. Um, uh, steel mill production is, is gaining its wings here. Uh, we're seeing a lot more plants pop up, especially around the part of southwest West Virginia where I'm at. Um, I can look across uh, some of my family's farms or my friends' farms, and I can see housing developments uh, popping up all around them. Um, I can see these companies trying to buy them out you know, name your price kind of thing. We want it no matter what. Uh, that terrifies me. Um, I, I do appreciate the fact that that the people that I'm uh, running this farm for um, give me that opportunity because they were, were shortly uh, after approached by a housing development company to purchase that place. And, uh, and they turned it down. Uh, so I am thankful for that too. But um, just two miles down the road, um, from where I am farming, they are actually working on a rather large housing development. So, so it's moving in. And aside from just having the ability to have land to run cattle on and raise hay on, what would you say are some of the bigger obstacles that have popped up along the way in, in raising cattle on your own? Finances for sure. Uh, 
you know, like I said earlier, my family doesn't come from a big operation. Uh, did have some resources, but they were limited. Um, so I've had to purchase everything. Um, I've been thankful. I have a good relationship with our local farm service agency. Um, I've been able to utilize some of their grant programs, some of their loan programs. Um, they can help see my vision. Uh, and if I get off track a little bit, they kind of, you know, the loan officer, he's like, Hey, let's reel this in a little bit. You're, uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're getting up there too big. We're not to that scale yet. So let's tone it back. So, so I've been thankful for that, but, um, finances, that is, that is the major hurdle, uh, for me and everybody else in West Virginia. And I'm sure all over the country, especially right now, um, the second hurdle is probably going to be equipment, um, you know, as, as you all know, and everybody listening probably knows, brand new equipment's expensive. Uh, we, we can't afford to purchase it. Um, so the the family that I'm using that farm off of, they said, you can use all the equipment that we have. They've given me three tractors to use and, and all this stuff. So so I've been very, very thankful for that as well. Now, just having that, that opportunity to use equipment and gosh darn, I, I looked all all fall and summer. I needed to get a little tractor just to, to be able to to do stuff around here, move round bales around and whatnot, maybe uh, put up some some uh, square bales uh, with it. And I, I couldn't find anything used. Everything was so overpriced. And luckily, I was able to work with our new Holland dealer and shout out to those NCBA benefits. I was able to use uh, my NCBA membership to get a discount on there. But yeah, you bring up equipment. It's a challenge to find something new or used. And uh, for all of us that have jobs that support our families away from the ranch or farm, uh, that helps a little bit when you're talking with bankers and whatnot. But uh, on that same note, uh, Jonathan, can, can we maybe talk about uh, uh, your job away from the, the farm as well? Yeah, so uh, currently I also uh, drive school bus for Capital County Schools. Uh, that's the county I live in. Um, I, you know, I, I went to college for animal science and all those things, but those opportunities, um, I used that to be a meat inspector for a little while, uh, USDA meat and poultry inspector. Love that job. Um, was absolutely thrilled to be, be in a slaughter plant every day and, and to, to be around that kind of operation. I, I love that stuff. It's near and dear to my heart because of some of the programs that I used to do in 4-H and FFA. But it didn't afford me the opportunity to farm, um, and I know that that's really one of what I want to do. Um, so the assistant superintendent of schools, uh, which is also a very good friend of mine, he approached me. He said, "I know you want to farm. Why don't you drive school bus?" And he said, "You work a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the afternoon, and then you have the middle of the day and all evening. You get holidays off, you get weekends off." He said, "It sounds like the perfect rep for you." I said, "Okay, let's give it a try." So that's what I'm doing. Um, not the best gig I've ever had, uh, but it supports my farming habit. So, uh, you know, I'll take it any day of the week. Yeah. We got to supplement that habit of, uh, of owning cows. All of us do. And also all of us need mentors along the way. Are there, are there people in your lives, your family or, or, or local individuals who have really played a role in, in helping foster your passion, uh, for being involved in the cattle business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mom and dad, they still support me every way they can. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm traveling for, you know, whatever reason or doing something like that, they're like, hey, we'll go out, we'll feed the cows, we can put hay out for you, this and that. Uh, my sister, um, I couldn't do it without her. Uh, she's right there by my side all the time when we're putting up hay, um, you know, doctoring cows, weaning calves, tagging calves, anything like that. She's right there. Um, so she's 
you know, she's one of my biggest supporters. Uh, as far as it comes down to mentors, uh, the one that sticks out to me the most is actually my cousin. He's a uh, rather large producer. He does cow-calf. He does seed stock. He trades. He has a feedlot um, about 35 minutes up the road. Uh, he is the one that said, Jonathan, if you want cows, let's get you some cows. Um, so anytime I have any questions, I can call him right up. Uh, I actually called him there a little bit ago. I said, hey, can I bring this judging team up to your feedlot next week? And, and you put together some classes for us to look at. He said, absolutely, we'll be there. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for that as well. Um, any time of day, any time of night, he's right there for me whenever I need it. Obviously, having that support is so important, especially when you're off doing this on your own. But what, what are some resources that you utilize uh, information-wise, local extension, publications, just, just to help keep yourself up to speed on what's going on in the business and, and, and kind of what's up on the horizon to help make your, uh, your uh, farm business more profitable? Yeah, so I definitely, like I said earlier, I utilize Farm Service Agency. I actually use two separate offices for that. Uh, Finance-wise, I use one in Mason County, uh, which is one one county over and for uh, insurance. And uh, information-wise, I use one in Lincoln County, which is the county to the south of us. Um, I utilize them for finance and insurance and things like that. Uh, as far as industry information goes, uh, NCBA for sure. Uh, West Virginia Cattlemen's Association, for sure. I'm in their newsletter. I uh, get that kind of information to keep keep up to date on that kind of stuff. I'm a Farm Bureau member. Uh, they're constantly sending out things for us. Um, and then I, I like to do research. Um, I realize that West Virginia is kind of behind the game as far as the farm operation goes. So I'll utilize those websites, you know, try to get information that's going on out west that might be uh be able to be utilized here and, and make our operation more profitable. If I see, you know, these people out West on these ranches, they're, they're using the certain feed formula or something like that. Well, I'm going to bring that back here and see if it works here too. Now you mentioned being involved with the West Virginia Cattlemen's Association and NCBA. A trend that we are seeing with uh, the the younger generation uh, of uh, of youth coming out of college, people aren't joining fraternal organizations or associations that live in the mainstream world or in the cities. And it's tough, I know, for young cattlemen and women when they move back to an operation or if they're working a full-time job to run cattle, sometimes it's hard to, to go to a local cattleman's meeting or attend the national or state meetings. But why is it important to you? Why, why would you? What would you tell other young producers about why is it important to be active on your county, state, and national level in the business that we're a part of? To me, the most important thing, and what I, and what I do try to tell, uh, you know, my, you know, fellow farmers, young and old, you, if you attend these events, uh, local, state, national, whatever it may be, you never know who you're going to meet. Um, you may not meet anybody at one event, but at the next one, you might meet a lifelong friend that can help you out, um, share information with you. Uh, you know, I've been to some of these, uh, you know, national conferences and things, and, and I've met people that I can reach out to and say, hey, what's going on out your way? Um, is, that, is there anything out there that you're doing that we can utilize here? Um, I think people really miss the boat when, when they don't step out of their comfort zone and go to of those uh you know local state national meetings um chances are you're you're going to more than likely know at least one person there and if not make some make some acquaintances while you're there 
And uh, will you be uh, heading down to the cattle industry convention in uh, in New Orleans here this winter? I will. Uh, this will be my first time going to CattleCon. I'm I'm very very excited for it. Uh, I wanted to go in the past, never had the chance. Uh, but but this this go round, I'm I'm making the time for it, making the effort for it. So I'll be there for sure. Now, it really st- uh, stuck out to me at the beginning of our conversation. Th- one of the first things you said is you want to be a leader in the cattle business. Uh, what are some of the things and what, what's maybe that timetable on on what were some of the things you'd like to see uh, come forward and, and work that you can do to help uh, be a leader within West Virginia's cattle business and also on the national level? What What is your goal of that? So uh, one of my main goals, it's more of a local goal, state goal than anything, uh, I want young producers to see that you can step out of your comfort zone and you can make something of yourself. Um, it's hard. It's scary. Uh, you know, it's, it's not for sure going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. But uh, one thing we're trying to implement was some of those acquaintances I've made. Uh, we want to do a buy a cow program, uh, which is where uh, these young producers, either right out of high school or juniors or senior level in high school, they can sign up for a grant program um, if they're interested. If they have to go through a rigorous process, an interview process, and things like that. And if they're selected, we we want to buy them their first cow. Um, so that's something we're we're kind of do because sometimes the first step is the hardest. And um, you know, most of the time, these people, they these kids, they come from property, they have places to put it, they just can't afford to buy their first cow. So uh, that's something we're looking at trying to do locally. Um, eventually would like to get that into, you know, kind of a state thing. Uh, so we can do that all over the state of West Virginia, uh, because, you know, this kind of thing is happening all over West Virginia. Um, you know, there's kids up North too, that they can't afford to buy their first cow either. So, um, if these kids have a passion for this, if their heart's in it, we want to help them. Now, obviously your heart is in this lifestyle, in the business, and you're so passionate about it. So I guess, what what are your goals over the next five to 10 years and where you would like to see yourself and your farming operation there in West Virginia? Yeah. So my five-year goal, um, is to purchase the farm that I'm, that I'm on, uh, currently on. I, I'd love to be there. Um, that's, that's kind of in the plan and the making now. So I'm hoping within five years we can do that. Uh, my 10-year goal is to, um, probably have, I don't know. See, that's hard because the industry changes every day. So, you know, as the yep. industry changes, like, well, I kind of want to do that too. So, you know, really, I, it's hard for me to answer what I want to do in 10 years. I hope I'm still farming. Uh, I hope I'm married then. I hope I have kids in the business by then. Uh, so that that would kind of be my, my goal there. I want to start a, a, a tried and true uh, family farm cattle business for West Virginia. And how important is it for you to, to give back and volunteer in your community. Like, uh, like you said, it uh, sounds like you got some, some youth that you're helping out in the livestock judging realm. How important that is, is it to, to give back? Uh, it's extremely important to me. Uh, one of the, one of the most important things, uh, you know, my, my FFA career, my 4-H career was, was made what it was because of the support that I had from locals. Um, you know, some of those people that, that were around when I was young, they're not around anymore. It's important for us young people to step up uh, take their place and give back. Um, you know, these kids I'm working with now, they don't come from a huge ag background, but, but they have a passion for livestock. And, and I feel like it's, it's my duty and, you know, in my heart to teach them everything I know. And then some hopefully, 
uh, about the livestock industry. Well, Jonathan, I, I take my hat off to you for investing the time into others and, and helping improve the lives of, of youth and, and the cattle business there in West Virginia. I, I know you got to get back to that judging team. Uh, I'm glad we were able to, to find a time this afternoon to catch up. But, but anything else that you would just like to tell the cattlemen and women tuning into the podcast here this afternoon, or it could be this morning or whenever they're, they're listening to this conversation, but anything, anything you'd like to share with them? Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, don't be afraid to take that first step. If, if you're a new farmer, or new rancher listening in, um, there's resources out there for you. A quick Google search will find those for you. Make a phone call, uh, make some friends and, and make that first step. It's going to be hard for you, but it's going to be worth it in the end. I guarantee it. Well, again, West Virginia's Jonathan Black, thank you for, for taking a little bit of time for us here today and sharing just part of your journey as a first-generation out-on-your-own cattle producer there in West Virginia. And I hope to run India there in uh, New Orleans uh, come, come February here in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm looking forward to that so much. Well, again, a big thank you to Jonathan Black. And uh, for all of you tuning in today, thank you for tuning in. I hope you were able to, to take something away from this conversation and all the conversations we have on the Cattleman's Call podcast. It's just a way for cattlemen and women to hear what's going on out in the countryside. And I thank you so much for joining us. With that, friends, that will conclude today's conversation. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.